0: show tonight. We go both sides of the big game. Was Tony G too hard? Or is Robo just a nick? Plus the wonder kind, Jake Cody is on the prowl. Welcome to the Poker Show. Here's some highlights from tonight's show.
1: Noticing on 2 Plus 2, there's a lot of haters out there now, and, and, and they're growing. The hordes are growing, and they're getting restless. You know, Tony
2: G is a, a maniac player. I'm Myself, I'm more of a,
1: of a freak, I guess. You know, I just have a bit of fun, and I don't take it that seriously. It's, it's just a hobby for me. As
2: soon as I sat down on the game, before I was even dealt a hand, like, uh, you know, Tony D and Daniel started like attacking me, and I was like,
1: "You know, this is kind of weird." I, I put I could put a pagan heads up in any game he can name for any amount he can count.
2: I mean, the thing is, in the game of poker, like they say at the poker table, you know, you don't see people as you truly are; you see them at their worst.
0: Did you dwell for was it thirty seconds in that hand with the uh, with the ace jack, or, or was it seven minutes?
1: Even players like me who are amateurs. I mean, he can't even beat an amateur. That is just absolutely disgraceful.
2: Well, I mean, he was basically saying, oh, you know, if you don't straddle, it's like you're not going to get invited back to the show.
1: Rogel, you are now qualified.
0: What's been going on in the poker world? Well, what's been going on? Tony G's been in the news again. He's been all over the news uh the third most hated bad in poker, they're calling him right now. It's uh, there's a big issue on all the forums, and we're going to go into it today. Uh, pretty interesting stuff. Uh, the key players: Daniel Negreanu, Tony G, and Andrew Roble. Now, there's this big cash game, the the big game in Vegas on on Fox Sports. It's a six handed cash game. It's a between a hundred thousand five hundred thousand dollars sit down. There's a loose cannon involved, who's a an amateur player who. Basically gets 100,000 free roll, and can only keep what they win. So their money is on offer. There's a lot of value in the game. And it was interesting, I mean, this is a game that everyone wants to play in. And because, well, there's no full tilt players I've ever played in it. And uh, for one reason or another, probably because Poker Star sponsors it, but for one reason or another anyway, uh, the game is great value. Especially you get guys like Helmuth, you get Tony G. They give a lot of action. People think they're they're very good value in the game, plus this hundred thousand off from loose cannon. It's a it's a spot everyone wants to be in. So Andrew Roble got into the game. And it is Daniel Negranu's game. I mean, at the end of the day, he came up with a concept. Uh he is the poker star's ambassador, and so he's got a lot to say about it. Uh but sometimes they straddle, and a straddle is like a you know a blind bet. So Andrew Robel sat down in the game, and they started to straddle. And he said he wasn't going to straddle. Now immediately, Daniel Nagranu and Tony G got on him, started calling him a nit. You have to straddle. Everyone else is straddling. Uh, this is bad for the game. We don't want nits in here. Uh, but he stayed his ground, and he wouldn't do it. Meanwhile, Tony G won a huge pot off him, started calling, called the clock on him when he had a $50,000 decision on the turn. Um, and then the very next hand, Andrew dwelled on the river for 30 seconds, uh, when Daniel Legrano was bluffing him and Tony G called the clock on him, started insulting him. And it's, it's quite interesting. Cause I mean, the whole point is, um, you know, there was a little bit of a gang mentality there, but, uh, there is sort of this idea if everyone's doing something, shouldn't you do it? People said, well, I just should have straddled. You know, it was $800. There was 100000 he had there. Uh, you got to give a little action. Guys like uh, this William Reynolds and this, this Alan Barry, um, you know, who are who are Internet pros, they were in the game. And there was sort of this feeling... That uh, everybody should do it, but but andrew didn 't and I kind of understood why he didn 't do it. I mean, there were strategic things about it, but also he didn 't want to be dictated to um, by daniel he didn 't want to be forced into it There is there 's a lot of that sort of leveling that goes on, and uh, anyway, it became a big thing on the internet, about fifty percent of the people are in andrew 's court, fifty percent are in daniel 's court. Uh, Andrew wrote a blog on it. Daniel wrote a bunch of blogs on it. Tony was in the middle of everything. So it's great stuff. We've got Andrew and Tony both on the show tonight. Uh, did some interviews with them. Asked them about this stuff. It's great stuff. And also, Jake Cody later on. Uh, you know, the, the guy fresh off his uh, WPT victory. Uh, caught up with him in Vienna. So it's, uh, it's going to be a great show. And uh, we will talk more. Tony G sounds off. So does Andrew Rowell. It's a lot of fun. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Roland DeWolf, Triple Crown winner, and this is The Poker Show with Mickey Dane. I mean, Jesse May. Hey Jesse, it's Kim Lansing here. If you don't have a Party Poker account, sign up today using the bonus code PokerShow
3: and we'll match your first deposit up to $500. That's $400 more than normal, but
0: you have to use the bonus code PokerShow. Already got a Party Poker account? We've got something for you too, an exclusive reload bonus. We deposit using the bonus code PokerShow50 and we'll match your deposit up to $50. Tony G is a man who's on top of the world. Good to be Tony G right now. He's got... Poker News' website, he's got Tony Bet, his betting site, and he's doing pretty well at the poker table, not just in results, but in his image. Uh, people love him right now. He is probably, you know, he's been around for a while, Tony, but he's one of the fastest rising stars as far as a character goes, uh, because people, I think, finally are getting him. He's not a one-trick pony. He's actually a really nice guy, and but at the table, he's a demon. He winds people up. Nobody... Can wind Phil Helmuth up like Tony G and that was in evidence uh, at this at this big game recently. You know Phil came out of the box. He was actually he was uh, he was playing good. He was bluffing. He was being aggressive. He was doing all the right stuff. Tony started at him started to unravel him and it all fell apart. And it was great to watch, because that's that's when Tony's great. Uh he also got some digs in at Daniel. He tore apart Andrew Roble. Uh that seat that Andrew Roble took in this uh in this big game. Uh two people had gone bust, Hoyt Corkins in like three hands, Tony busted him. He made Viffer leave, uh, fold in his chair, and uh he's a tough guy. You know, he's got this thing, Tony, uh these days. It's been for a while. He says, you know, I'm not a poker player. I'm a businessman. And it's become this stock phrase now that a lot of the the Internet young guns and all these young poker players, they say, oh, well, Tony's not a poker player. He plays too many hands. He's a businessman. You know, my Faludi, uh Tony, listen, he started with nothing. Made all his money starting at poker. He won poker tournaments. He you know, built his character. And when he sits down... Okay, he's got a lot of other stuff going on now. But when he sits down at a poker table with the Russians or whoever it is, at a live cash game, he's tough. He's dangerous. Underestimate him at your own peril. And so I think this thing about he loves it, that I'm just a businessman, this sort of thing. But he ain't fooling me, Tony G. Uh, And then we got to talk to him, found him, tracked him down in New Zealand where I think he was, uh, you know, he's got this health regime now. He's lost about lost about two stone, you know, maybe more. Maybe he's lost about 60, 70 pounds. I don't know. Anyway, uh, here he is, the man himself, Tony G. Hello. Hi, Tony G. It's Jesse May calling. How are you? Good. How are you? Where are you? What's going on in the Tony G's life right now?
1: I'm in uh, New Zealand with Lee, with my doctor, Lee Nelson, in, in his health retreat. <laughs>
0: Well, I could see on the to, big game that you'd lost a lot of weight lately. Uh, are you getting in shape? Is that, is that what the the health regime's about?
1: Yeah, I've been, I've been getting in shape for over the last couple of years, you know, slowly. So now we we're just coming to, to my peak. So I'm getting into into good form and getting ready for all the big events next year I'm going to
0: play. So uh, what's the, what's the day like then? A lot of hiking? I mean, what do you do? What do you eat?
1: Yeah, I'm eating... Uh, Rabbit food. And, uh, <laughs> a lot. Now I'm eating very good food, you know. At the rift, so a split apple retreat here, they look after you. Um, uh, so it's, it's really good food, all kind of food, you know. Uh, but it's very healthy, cooked with uh, coconut oil, which is uh, much better for you, which people don't know. And just so there's a lot of thought, you know. It's thoughtful food that they call a functional food. Uh, put into it, and then uh, big hike yesterday. Did about eighteen kilometers, eleven, twelve miles a day.
0: Hello. So, yeah, listen, it's very uh, nice. that that's great. Listen, Tony, this um, this big game has had a huge response lately. Do you think people got to see the Tony G sort of at his best in this big game, uh, the the Poker Stars big game? <laughs>
1: I guess at my best and at my worst, you know, I had my moments and uh, I probably crossed the line, which which I actually enjoy doing from time to time. You, it, um, was, it, was, it was fabulous.
0: It was great. And now you made a bit of an apology to Andrew Roble in, in your blog, but he actually, in his blog, said that he, he doesn't hold anything against you. Um, he likes you. He thinks you're a gentleman, actually, at the table, and it's all for the show. But he's still upset at Daniel Negreanu. Do you think he has the right to be?
1: Well, that's his own personal issue. I mean, there's been a lot of uh, flack that Daniel's been copying from the poker, from the poker community. I've been noticing on 2 Plus 2, there's a lot of haters out there now, and, and, and they're growing. The hordes are growing, and they're getting restless. So that's happening right now, I don't know what the reason is, you know, people probably think that Daniel was not um, 100% honest in his actions uh, at the table but but I'm not sure I think Daniel has performed uh, performed really well and has entertained people, he's very entertaining I think he has a lot of fans uh, millions of millions of them and I think that the haters are probably more nerdy uh, and, and by the way, I used to be a nerd as well. I've, I've recovered from that.
0: You were a nerd? I don't believe that.
1: <laughs> well, I think as a kid I, I was a nerd too. I was just uh, like any other nerd. But I think over time I've uh, recuperated and recovered. So there's hope for everyone.
0: I mean, this idea. Now, obviously, you and Daniel had a lot of fun in that that big game with Robel and yeah. uh, William Reynolds. Is is that what it's about at the end of the day? And and the players have to just accept that if they want to play.
1: Yeah, I think me and Daniel have fun. I think Daniel has fun in life, and he's very successful. But that's another reason that people, you know, tall poppy syndrome, we call it here. Into podiums too. I think that there's, uh, you know, I think that people want to bring him down, and probably a lot of people want to see me fail too, and and, and we may fail, but at the moment where, you know, especially Daniel's on top of of the world, is performing, and he's winning, and he's dominating in the tournament in, in Vienna.
0: Yeah, as we speak, he's I think chip leader in the in, in, going to the final table, or very close to it.
1: Dominate that tournament all the way through, and that's really difficult. I and mean, it's proven time and time again how skillful and gifted he is at poker. And uh, you know, he's one, one of the best players there. And myself, I'm more of a, of a freak, I guess. You know, I just have a bit of fun and I don't take it that seriously. It's, it's just a hobby for me. There's uh, other things in life apart from poker, but when I'm out there, I mean, I. Uh, I love it. I enjoy it, and put my heart and my heart into it. And uh, I've come up with some new terms, like qualified and, uh, <laughs> you
0: and Well, what about this thing about you being the third most hated man in poker? I, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, it's a two plus two is a very small percentage of the poker world. But there, there are as many people that love you on there as not. But how does it make you feel that people call you that?
1: Well, I'm fine with it,
0: you know if, if that's if
1: that's the if that's the tag I get, then there is no issues, you know it's, it's it's how I feel inside. So I mean I feel great, I feel I enjoy the game, I don't play too much. I play just enough to to have fun. I bring people down every now and again or across the line, I make a mistake because I'm not I'm not no one's telling me what to say or what to do. I do whatever I want and just go out there and have fun. And If, uh, if you're the next target, be ready. You know, don't, um, it's the way, uh, that's the way it is. I love to have some, some targets, and I love to have a go, have a real crack at them, and see if I can bring them down. But I couldn't bring Robel down, so he's now qualified.
0: <laughs> he's now the passed the test.
1: <laughs> I think he, he passed the test. He's qualified. He handled it well on the table. He's handled it well after. I think he's definitely a qualifier for me. So congratulations, Andrew Andy Rogel, You are now qualified.
0: Well, that's praise coming from you. I mean, I mean, it's kind of like he did stand up for himself, didn't he? Which uh, which was tough to do in the face of you and Daniel.
1: He did. He did. He did stand up, and uh, he, he made a good laydown against me when I put a lot of pressure on, and tried to freak him out into into calling. But uh, he's done really well, and I, I think that he's a. Uh, really good player but his handling has been good i think the fact that he didn't straddle was not amusing to me or daniel and i think that's one thing he could, could take back from that and say you know what next time i'll just straddle it's just he's just too nitty
0: i mean too he doesn't nitty. have a, he doesn't have a problem you know spending money on a a bottle of vodka at a nightclub so what why would he why would he not straddle
1: I don't know, I think it's just you can get it in your head and you can say that you don't want to straddle and, uh, and you don't straddle, you know, you just think it's too expensive for, for you, for your bankroll, uh, for your optimal strategy at that time. But there is life easy as well and you know, I'm all about the numbers myself and I always look into it. and I understand where it's coming from but I think that I think that just in the spirit of the game, When you get on a TV show, especially a TV show that has the highest ratings and and the highest sort of um, interest, and everyone's really excited about that show, I think you just have to entertain as well. That has to be part of the game. You're not there just to knit it out and and to have a win and to have an advantage. By having a win, it's not about results, by the way, because you can lose on the turn of the card, but it's all about getting your money in at the right time and playing the optimal strategy.
0: Now, there was a lot of praise for you as well, especially from Elizabeth Houston uh, and her sister, the, the, the loose cannon. She said you were a yeah. perfect gentleman. Are are you kind of a defender of the loose cannon in that game?
1: Yeah, I feel I do. I feel I'm always cheering for the loose cannon. I'm always cheering for the battler because it wasn't long ago I was the loose cannon myself.
0: So. <laughs> I
1: can I, can, I can relate to them. <laughs> you
0: still are a loose cannon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I still am, but I mean, even uh, financially in, in every way, I mean, I wasn't, I was just like that, oh, just having a break, and uh, that aviation club uh, in Paris, the WPT, I got my break, and uh, things went really well from there, but, you know, you're never far away from from also not having much and having one crack, you know, and you have to take it, and so I'm always cheering for a loose cannon, and... I'm watching uh, those shows, and there's some been some very entertaining loose cannons here and there. I'm, I'm hoping that one will really stand out. There's another lady that's in front. I think. Uh,
0: yeah, Nadia, is something. Yeah. And I yeah. mean, w- without talking too much strategy, what what should the loose cannon be doing in that game? Should they be a little more? Should they be gambling a little bit more? You definitely have
1: to put the chips in because I think that you can get a lot of respect if, if you can move in post-flop with draws and and situations and then have a few bluffs but i think you just have to be prepared to die when you're a loose cannon you can't you can't just play safe because you will get eaten you have to play ultra aggressive probably tight aggressive once you're in a pot you have to try to win every pot you're in so i think that's the, that's the attitude you have to take and then when you Put a score on a board. You have to decide whether you want to come back or take the profit. But but the loose cannon yeah, it has to has to really loosen up and and in the right spots play aggressive. You know? If you're not that great at game, maybe you just play a very very simple strategy with certain hands. You you play them and, and that's it. But you can't get into the head of the loose cannon. Then. <laughs> no.
0: Now in a, in another one of those weeks, I mean you are. The best in the world at putting Phil Helmuth on tilt. Uh, there's nobody that doesn't like you. Um, there was a little bit of a challenge going on there about you taking Phil Helmuth on head up. Would you take him on head up? Oh, hundred percent, I mean. If, uh, if,
1: if anyone wants to put it together, I, I put I could put take him heads up in any game he can name for any amount he can count, <laughs> and that that's, you know that's official. You, you can post it. I'm, I'm happy to take him on. I'm happy to take him on in all the games. I mean, I will absolutely destroy him. I will crush him. Uh, he has absolutely no chance. Be ripped apart. Absolutely ripped apart. He's such a such a bad player, and he's nowhere near the near the G.
0: But I mean, it, it looks like sometimes that he plays good for a while before he unravels. Is is it just about getting him to unravel, or can he just not play?
1: No, obviously he's got ability. I mean, he's got all those bracelets, and I have no bracelets. He's obviously got ability against the, the weaker opponent, you know, the, the unskilled, untrained players. He's uh, very successful at because that's all he does in his life. Basically, just play poker, just play tournaments. So. Obviously, he's better at people who do also have a life. But when when you're coming up against uh, opponents who are also well-versed and skilled, then Phil Helmuth uh, is it, not his best forte. No limit hold in cash can, for example. He's got no chance. But uh, he's just not at the same level as the top players. And Even players like me who are amateurs. I mean, he
0: can't even beat an amateur.
1: That is just absolutely... Disgraceful!
0: It's an embarrassment. <laughs> I mean, but, I don't know how we cannot put this together. Everybody, it has to be put together. You have to take Phil Helmuth on head up. I'm ready.
1: I'm ready for that. I'm ready. It can be. Uh, it can be any way that he wants it. it can be online. It can be uh, live. It can be on television. I mean, I would love to play, and we should put. And whatever number he puts up, it, it's not an issue.
0: You're not whatever on a budget. Him,
1: I haven't. I've been saving up. <laughs> My states are going well, so I'm, I'm ready to to spend, to spend and enjoy. And, and uh, should he win, I'd, I'd be a you bow know, bar, bar before him. Would, <laughs> uh, he'd be the hero.
0: Well, listen, that's a great note to end this on, Tony. What's next for you?
1: Oh, I'm just gonna keep getting uh, fit and healthier, and uh, just keep uh, building the empire up.
0: I know you've got the sports book, the Lithuanian sports book going, uh, all that kind of stuff. That's going well?
1: That's going, yeah. That's going very well. Tony, Tony bet. bet, right. Tony bet, yeah. That's, we, we're slowly developing our, our own software that will come out and revolutionize the, the sports betting world one day. I'm also working very hard on healthnews.com, uh, which is now an American-based company. So There's, there's a lot of projects and... There's also the life insurance business in Australia that's going well. It's, uh, it's it's all coming together nicely, so it's it's giving me a lot of uh, freedom with what what, what I want to do, and you know poker news is still kicking along, as uh, well.
0: Do we have action on the ashes? I know that's coming up. I'm sure you're going to be up, up for that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to the ashes. Uh, I'll be I'll be in Australia having having a peak. And probably you know, get the odd box and have a look at the game. But you know, ashes, I'm passionate about. But my biggest passion is Australian rules football. And I didn't make it to the grand final twice this year. It was replayed. It's the only sport where if you have a draw, you have a replay. <laughs> so we had a hundred thousand people at the game twice, and uh, it was absolutely amazing. You know, so yeah, life is good. There's a lot of. Uh, A lot of things happening, and uh, I love it.
0: All right. Listen, it's good to be Tony G. Thanks for talking with me, Tony. Take care, and good luck. Take care. All right. See you soon. Bye. Yo, Phil Helme, 11-time world champion of poker, bragging again. You're here listening to The Poker Show with Jesse May.
2: Hey, guys. It's Kara Scott here. Enter your email address at thepokershowlive.com and get the show delivered twice a week.
0: About a year ago, maybe more, someone pointed me out to this uh, Busto to Robusto documentary that was available on the internet. And I, I didn't watch it. Uh, I, I can't remember why I didn't watch it. But I did uh, just recently. And one of the documentaries, it's this documentary made about poker players, uh, a couple episodes. And one of them is all about Good to See You, who is Andrew Robel. It's a fantastic, about a 35-minute documentary. You can find it online from Busto to Robusto. Very, very well done. And it pretty much sort of it catches Andrew Roble, you know, during a week, uh, maybe a year or two ago in, in Las Vegas. One of the worst weeks of his life, by the way. He lost about half a million. Uh, and also sort of cuts back and forth to his family in Michigan, uh, his upbringing, that whole thing. It is very well done. And Andrew comes across very well. Uh, you know, he's a guy. Uh, Sort of started playing poker in high school. Went to I think Michigan State. Ended up dropping out. You know, back in the day when uh, would he have something like a two hundred percent ROI on sit and goes? He was just destroying them, and uh, he made the jump. Became a high stakes poker player. Is a great guy. Very introspective. Uh, you know, he talks about sort of the Buddhist monk, and you know, does the Buddhist monk have a better life than than him uh, living it up in Las Vegas, living it large? Uh, Andrew was also one of the, the ship at Hala Bala boys who, now I didn't know he was one of them, but I used to read that website. Uh, this is like three, four years ago now, uh, which was basically just a bunch of guys gone completely ape, uh, just completely ape uh, around the world. You know, the Dom from The Bottle and the, the nightclubs and the, the ladies and just going completely crazy. But uh, that, that's since kind of broken up. Although he's still, you know, pretty live and large kind of guy. It's, it's quite interesting because uh, he's not a nit, Andrew Roble. He doesn't come across as one. He's, uh, he, he does have a funny sort of table presence. Um, you know, he came over for the World Open. And uh, he was drinking whiskey. He was, uh, he, he was, uh, he cracked Tom, Tom Dwan's Kings. But, but uh, he was fun. You know, he, he, was, he was a fun guy. He's got kind of a weird sort of mannerism where, you know, he, he kind of, he talks a little slow. Kind of like a, well, like a Midwesterner, I guess. But uh, he, he's a neat guy. And, you know, it's quite interesting, this, this sort of notoriety that's been brought on to him with this big game stuff. Because probably by not giving in to Daniel and Tony, he's maybe done more more for himself as far as character goes than if he had given in to them. Uh, so yeah, there's this thing about him being a knit. Anyway, I was really excited to talk to him because uh, he's definitely a guy who thinks about things. Uh, he's a he's a sort of complicated guy. Plays very he's a very good poker player. Plays very high stakes. And you know this blog he wrote. Uh, and the response to daniel and and everything like that, and you know apparently him and daniel and him and Tony have kind of made up he, he you know it's it 's all it's business it's uh it 's not personal it 's part of the poker game, but it raised some interesting questions uh i think you know th- this this whole thing it 's about t v poker you know uh, do you have to play different when you're when you're on t v playing poker um are you obligated you know there 's this life e v sort of thing and um, you know, you want people to watch and you're a character in a TV show. Uh, but you're playing poker. And in these shows, you're playing poker for your own money. You're putting a couple hundred thousand dollars up sometimes. So uh, anyway... Uh, I caught up with Andrew, and uh, he had agreed to an interview. But then, you know, th- this guy—listen—he he, he lives large. I called him; at, I think it was noon Vegas time, and he was just getting out of bed. So uh, I think I woke him up. Uh, this is the, this is the first time I I, I called. This is this is—I uh, was just joking with him, by the way. Hello, is this Andrew? Yes. Hi, Andrew. It's uh, Jesse May calling from the Poker Show. How are you?
2: Hey, Jesse. How are you?
0: Am I uh am I interrupting you in the middle of knitting it up?
2: Uh <laughs> yeah. I actually uh I'm <laughs> just waking up.
0: Right. Uh, you you've spent the last week sort of short stacking and and dodging out on credit card roulette that sort of thing? Yes, exactly. Yeah, he ba- basically said two words. I think he would had a Halloween party the night before. So uh You know, he was. uh, He said, "Can you call me back? I've 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 just gotten up. He sounded a little bit hungover." Anyway, I called him back. He was in a car on the way to L.A. for more mayhem and mischief, and uh, I finally got to talk to him. Uh, This is a couple hours later. Yo, Andrew, I've got you.
2: Yes, finally, after many attempts. (laughs) Um,
0: Listen, I I was just. I'm so eager to get to get a chance to talk to you because I've interviewed Tony G. just today, and uh, he had some really nice things to say about you. Um, he says that you've qualified. Well, uh,
2: that's that's nice, Tony.
0: <laughs> he said you passed the test um, about the big game. I mean, it, it's it's been huge talk on the internet. Has it? Has it sort of? Are you involved, or is it kind of like you're done with it now? Uh, I
2: mean. I mean, I'm pretty much done with it. You have to remember this big game episode was filmed maybe like four months ago. Right. So it's all kind of, um, you know, in the past.
0: And, but there's so much stuff on the Internet right now about it, and I know you responded, uh, Tony responded, Daniel responded. Um, I mean, do, do you think people are making, uh, you know, a, a big thing out of nothing?
2: No, I mean, I don't think they're making a big thing out of nothing. Um I mean the thing is in the game of poker, like they say at the poker table, you know, you don't see people as you truly are, you just them at their worst. And I've played a lot of live poker over the years, so uh like with everything that happened, I was pretty unfazed. You know, you see things like that happen in the casino, not on a regular basis, but uh it does happen and if uh you know, you're a professional you just deal with it.
0: Right. It's all part of play, playing in a live game. Now, I know, I mean, I, I've seen this Busto to Robusto, which was great, by the way. Um, you came off really well in it. And, you know, I used to read The Ship at Hollis. I know I can't believe that it was about the $800, because I know that, that that you don't really care about the money. Well, It was about something else, wasn't it? This straddle thing. Well,
2: I mean, I'm all for straddling in some situations, but The really weird thing is I'm not generally known as a very uh, tight player. And as uh, as soon as I sat down in the game, before I was even dealt a hand, like, uh, you know, Tony D and Daniel started, like, attacking me. And I was like, you know, this is kind of weird. Like, you know, what did I do to these guys? uh, You know, Tony G is a, a maniac player on these TV cash games. And, uh, kind of a basic poker strategy. If you have a guy on your left who's going crazy, you know, re raising you a uh, lot making it tough to play, like the correct adjustment to make to that strategy is to play tight. So, um, you know, I didn't like that, that they said that going in because it was actually my plan to kind of, uh, you know, knit it up and play tight. But, but uh, as we're not putting, as we're not putting the straddle on, um, like, there's a few reasons I didn't put it on. One is I just wasn't going to let, like, you know, I wasn't going to put it on just because Daniel and Tony G wanted me to put the straddle on. Like, Daniel has a thing, like I said in my blog, whenever he gets stuck, he just tries to get people to start, like, straddling and up the stakes and everything so he can get even. And, um, you know, I think he plays much worse when he's stuck, so I wouldn't really want to give him an opportunity to get even.
0: It was. Uh, I think it was a very fair comment, and I think your, your blog was fantastic. Daniel's responded several times. I mean, overall, I think the reaction on the internet's been pretty much fifty-fifty. Where's your Where's your sort of barometer about about right and wrong? Um, you, you, you know, do, do, what do you think you could have done different when you think back of it, or or are you happy with the way it went down?
2: Um, I mean, I don't have any regrets or anything about it. Um,
0: I know you're you're very friendly, you know, a, a lot of the bigger players um you know, who of them, which of the of your friends have said you definitely did the right thing and which of your friends have said, "Oh, you know, you you, you just should have straddled and given in." It's
2: actually not really something I've discussed with <laughs> um anyone really to be quite honest. Um like I mean I don't think anyone would say I should have just straddled and given in. Um, you, you,
0: you've got more going on. I mean, I know Viffer, for instance, definitely. Like, uh, and
2: part yeah. of, like, and part of my problem with it is, like, you know, in a poker game, it's supposed to be, like, everyone's supposed to have equal footing. And I kind of fear, feel that, uh, you know, the big-name players, they kind of have, like, a home court advantage on these TV shows.
0: Do you think maybe Daniel like, um, sort of abuses his position of, of power in that big game?
2: Well, I mean, he was basically saying, oh, you know, if you don't straddle, it's like you're not going to get invited back to the show. And, you know, with his relationship with poker stars, that's like kind of a credible threat. And, um, yeah, I mean, I guess I do.
0: Lex Veldhaus, in an interview, he said that, you know, that a person's got to think about career EV. Um, I mean, what do you think about that statement?
2: Um. Sure, I think uh, I think definitely you know a lot of people um, just look at the EV of one situation in the vacuum and they don't see how things are going to look over uh, the long run. But uh, at the same time, you know, um, I'm playing my own money on these TV shows; at high stakes, and uh, you know, I don't think any of the other guys here really are. So, uh, you know, that kind of makes a difference in if, some of the decisions.
0: Uh, absolutely,
2: Dude, I mean you. Like playing that big, you could easily, you know, go on a downswing and lose a few million. Especially if you're, you know, not trying to maximize your edge or, you know, or playing, like just gambling it up and upping the variance.
0: Well, there's no question it's a big game. And to me, there's also no question that it's almost like people are being encouraged not to play correctly or what they know is correctly. D- Doesn't that kind of hold poker back uh, as a sport if, if you're being encouraged not to play the best you can?
2: Well, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, you know, what I do as a pro is I always try to play my best. And, uh, you know, I give people of uh, action some spots when it's uh, correct, too. And uh, I think there's two types of TV viewers. So there's the people who are just tuning in for entertainment. You know, they want to see the drama and everything else. And then there's the people who are hardcore, you know, poker enthusiasts who want to see, you know, all the strategy and high-level thinking that goes on in these big games. And um, I don't really think there you need to play, like, suboptimal poker to get, you know, the drama and the entertainment factor going on. I think if people are still, so, like, I'm all for the showmanship, but at the same time, I don't think you need to, you know, play bad poker to make the showmanship work.
0: Um, I mean, when if that you th- makes any sense? Oh, a- 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 absolutely. Like when you think about, I mean, do you think something, you know, like dirt Jungle Man or or just people just sitting there playing and not even talking? Do you think that would even work as a TV show? Because pretty much people have thrown that out the window.
2: I mean, I don't know, like the people the people that people tend to really like to watch on TV are like Phil Ivey, you know, Tom Dewan, Patrick Antonius, and those types of guys. And those guys really don't talk very much on TV, you know, they're very stoic, same facial expression, they do the same thing every time. But at the same time, they're the best players in the world, you know, they're making all sorts of creative moves other players wouldn't make they normally have the right reads, and people like to watch that. But at the same point in time, I think it makes it more fun to watch also if you have a guy like Phil Helmuth on there, you know, who plays kind of like a villain character and gets uh, the audience emotionally engaged. So I think it's a trade-off.
0: I mean, you, you said in your blog that Daniel used to be your role model. Are, who Are guys like, you know, Patrick and... And and Ivy and Dur, would you say they are your role models now, or is it not that simple?
2: I would say in the poker world, those are definitely uh, you know the guys I look up to. I mean, they're the best players; they've won the most money, and they uh, they play against the toughest players all the time, and it's uh, that's
0: impressive. And I just wanted to ask you quickly because there's been a little bit of dispute over some of the facts about what happened in that and. Did you dwell for? Was it thirty seconds in that hand with the uh, with the ace jack, or, or was it seven minutes?
2: Yeah. You or know, the thing is that hand, that hand happened immediately immediately after the queen six hand with Tony. Really, it was the and very I'm, next hand. I think there is maybe one hand in between. Right. Well basically, the next hand, the queen six hand, I did. I thought for a long time.
0: Well, it was a fifty thousand dollar bet. bet.
2: Yeah, well, exactly. Like, uh, kind of a unique situation because Tony got two times of the pot. So, uh, I had a plan to do what I was going to do when he made a normal sized bet, but um, you don't normally see bets like that. So, I, you know, I had to think about it a lot what he was trying to do.
0: I mean, at the end of the day, does Tony G have it when he puts the big money in?
2: Um, I mean. I don't know. I don't want to give away my reads over the phone, <laughs> you know, to all the viewers out there.
0: Right. But it, it, it wasn't as easy. It was not an easy lay down by any means.
2: No, but um, it wasn't an easy lay down. But the time, you know, the way I was playing and how Tony views me, because I just figured he think I'd have, you know, a decently strong made hand there. And the way he was playing, that, don't think. That he thought I would fold. I made a hand against them. What I came down to at that.
0: Um. Well, when you came to London for the the World Open, that was right after the big game. And I mean, you you were like you were drinking whiskey. You were talking the whole time. Have you? Did you sort of like? Was that in response to anything? You know that happened in the big game. Are you thinking differently about it? No,
2: not really. I mean, at the same time, There's kind of a you know a difference between you're playing in a game where you buy in for a hundred thousand and two hundred thousand dollars and you know a tournament where you buy in for 10k, 10K because, uh, yeah.
0: in,
1: because in a cash
2: game um like I, I don't like talking daring hands and everything that much just because you're giving away information like you're broadcasting information and uh, if you're if you know you're silent and stoic you're giving out less information and when you're playing for you know those sums of money, I think, you know, it's important to play your best. But, uh, you know, on the 44 or big game, a lot of my friends were playing, and uh, I just feel it was like a more relaxed and comfortable environment. And plus, you also have like, you know, 40 big blinds as opposed to 300, so the decisions are a little bit easier.
0: Right. Pretty automatic. It's a sit and go. We got cut off, but it was great to talk. And, you know, he said some interesting stuff, Andrew. Um, and you can see this is going to be a big thing. And the funny thing about it is maybe that 21000 that he, he lost in that game uh, was going to do him more good than if he had just sort of, you know, given him the gang mentality. Um, they're going to have to have him back. You know, he said that he doesn't think Daniel will invite him back. I'll tell you what, he's getting back because this story, this saga – uh, this conflict between him and Tony G and Daniel Negreanu has got to live. I like it. Anyway, we'll be right back.
2: Hello, I'm Black Belt Poker's Neil Channing, and you're listening to The Poker Show with Jesse May. Marvelous.
0: Hi, this is Jennifer Haley. Please enter your email address at www.thepokershowlive.com and get this show delivered twice a week another guy whose star has been on the rise is young jake cody uh, there's a lot of british young guns we always talk about the british young guns because there are so many of them right now but jake cody just may be the best he uh he won the ept deauville earlier this year and then won the wpt in london fantastic performance i got to watch it um that final table one of the one of the, really the I don't know if it's the toughest final table, because on paper, all these guys you didn't know, but it ended up being one of the most well-played finals I've ever seen. Jake Cody, Christopher Thorson, and Fabian Quos. Now, these guys, you know, they're just three names to remember. I mean, these are three guys who are just eating up the poker world, Jake in particular. And Jake's only 23, 22, 23. He dropped out of college to play. He's been in that. What is it? A poker cauldron. You know, we're talking all these young guys. He's got this friend, John Ames, who played in the World Open, another guy, Matt Perrins, you know, Toby Lewis, all these guys. But uh, Jake's very clever, you know, and he's a, he's got a very sound head on his shoulders uh, as far as bankroll management and this sort of thing doesn't intend to to, to be living it up too large uh, or to be wasting his money. Uh, Excited to talk to him. In fact, uh, after this interview, he was in Vienna, I heard him doing the commentary on the the final table with um, Nick Wellfall and Rory Rory Mason. And he was really good. You know, he's a very, very interesting guy to talk to about poker. And if you have a chance, if you haven't seen this WPT final table, you got to. There was this great hand where... uh, you know, Jake raises under the gun with the 3-4 the suited. And this Christopher Thorson, who is, by the way, and you heard me talk about him before this suite, is awesome. Uh, re-raised from the big blind with A6. Jake 4-bet it. This is the final table of WPT. And then uh, Christopher Thorson shoved all in a 5-bet. It was awesome. It was really, there was only like, you know, there was like 6 left at this point. But, um Anyway, he's a guy you're going to be hearing about. He's got two-thirds of the Triple Crown. He's he's on his way. Just needs a WSOP bracelet. Might be the easiest uh, leg to get. That's what they're saying now, if you want to play 50 events a year. Anyway... Uh, I caught up with Jake in Vienna, and uh, interestingly enough, you know he's he's on this this tour now. The next stop, Amneville, where I'm going next. I'm going leaving tomorrow for it for this WPT in Amneville, which they've got about uh, 400 runners. They say just you know qualifiers. Who knows who's going to be there? It's going to be great. And there's one in Marrakesh. We'll be talking about all this. The poker show is going to be on the move soon. But anyway, here's Jake Cody. Hello. Hey, is this Jake? Hey, it is. Hey it's Jesse May calling for the Poker Show. How's it going?
3: Oh hey Jesse. I'm uh, good, how
0: are you? Hey, uh, good. Where where in the world are you right now?
3: Uh, just in Vienna still at the moment.
0: how'd it go there? I guess you got knocked out early or Uh
3: yeah. I I didn't I didn't play that great uh really. I didn't really deserve anything. fantastic. I think I played pretty bad on day one and then didn't and Then we then came up on day two.
0: Any uh anybody I don't
3: know what it was actually.
0: What you just weren't uh you just weren't weren't in focus like or what?
3: Yeah, I don't know what it, I really yeah. was my at all. I played a lot better in the side events, but I lost um, I lost um, checks against king in a big conflict in that. Uh,
0: was it your first time to Vienna?
3: It is absolutely. It's so beautiful. Absolutely love it. You walk you walk through this like beautiful park on the way to the area as well. And it's
0: pretty amazing. Who um who are you traveling around with these days?
3: Um, I usually it's like a collection of people that like I had see see in there, but um, most of the time it's just me, Toby. Um, John Eames, sometimes Matt Perrins. Um, that's usually like the main, main form as we go around.
0: Any any of those guys doing any good in Vienna?
3: Yeah, actually, John, John Eames won, won the 2K side event last night for, I think he was about 120,000 euros.
0: He's a guy that everybody's been talking about lately. Uh, I mean, I mean, do you reckon he's going to be one of those guys that's going to break through pretty soon?
3: Oh, for sure, yeah. But he's, like, he's been really unlucky in the past, and he like, does get forgotten about like, in, in sometimes, but... It's definitely, like definitely a really good player.
0: Actually, winning a 2K side event is kind of like breaking through, isn't it? I mean, it's pretty good payout.
3: Oh, yeah, for sure, yeah. I mean, it's been coming for a while, though. I mean, I'm sure he's happy, but I'm sure he'll, he'll, he'll be wanting to win more as
0: well. So, uh, like, what's next for you? There's a WPT next week in, um, I think, Amneville. Are you going to that?
3: Yeah, actually, we just got off the phone to so John Eames, and we were both just discussing that. We're, I think we're both going to go to Amneville. See, so, just uh, play that.
0: I mean, when you look at your like your schedule now, you know the next year, what what kind of stuff stands out? There's Marrakesh, there's uh you know Barcelona. Are you going to be traveling around like that?
3: Uh, Barcelona, much forward too. forward I, I I always I'm always really bad at this. I always look at the schedule at the last minute and then decide where to go. I don't really plan that well, but it's, I've, I I do quite look at the schedule um, a couple of days ago and just like seems to be a lot of fun times coming up.
0: Um, I mean, there, there there was a great interview, you know, with you and uh, Toby Lewis in, in, in Bluff Magazine, and it was kind of talking oh, yeah. about, um, you know, you guys were talking about your bankroll management and stuff like that. H- how are you looking yeah. at bankroll management now compared to before you won the the, the two big events?
3: Um, well, obviously, I, c- I can afford to play like a lot of the higher buy tournaments now without without it, like um, being that desperate. <laughs> so it's it's, it's it's definitely gives me a lot of freedom. It, def- it I don't think it really affected me in the past, but. To, like know that like play a lot of the events without it really affecting it, it does help probably, yeah.
0: Do you feel like you're you're in a place now where, you know, it would be really unlikely for you to go broke, or or does does that kind of thing still scare you? Because I mean, tournaments are so expensive these days.
3: Yeah, that's true. With the expenses as well, but I, I think I don't think I'd ever let it happen really. But um, I'm, I'm gonna, I've locked like a big a big chunk of like the money had away, so I don't think there's no chance I would ever actually.
0: And, uh, I mean, you used to have the kind of attitude where, you know, even if you've got the money, it's all right to piece yourself out a little bit. Do you still feel like that's that's kind of smart? Uh,
3: sorry, sorry, can you repeat the question?
0: You know, uh, about piecing yourself out. Even if you have the money to play an event, you might not want to, you know, put up the whole amount. Oh, yeah,
3: sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've just tried, I tend to like one of those, like, more high-value ones, and yeah, don't, don't want to, like, try and play every single, like, 5 or 10K there is, because then, then that's just going to, like, you get know, burnt out and not really playing well and stuff.
0: What about getting a sponsorship deal? Is that kind of high on your list of priorities, or do you think it might happen if it happens?
3: For sure. I mean, I absolutely will get sponsored. I mean, um, I don't know what's going to show, sure, but ho- hopefully something
0: might work out. So w- w- what are you going to do now that you got knocked out of Vienna? You- are, you- are you headed out? Or are you going to play? In- There's more side events there or anything?
3: Um yeah I've heard a couple of side events. I think there's another one tomorrow, but it's um it's actually Jack Elwood's birthday, tomorrow, so I think it's gonna go out again that. Uh, sounds yeah. like
0: fun. It's it's a pretty good town, yeah. I
3: guess. Oh for sure, yeah, it's, it's absolutely amazing.
0: Um, like in, in Bluff magazine, um they were calling you guys, you and Toby, third generation players. Is that yeah. does that kind of description fit you, do you think? Um I, I guess I
3: guess it's quite a good description actually. I mean, if, I guess we are like the kind of new school who are coming through out of the young like,
0: guys. And and that means like, that. Well, like they said, that means that the game is all pre-flop now. I mean, is is that is, is that what you believe? Um,
3: I would say it's little tournament poker, it's like pretty much is mostly a pre-flop game. Especially as it gets like into like day two and day three and day four, it does become because like the specs are a lot, a lot shallower. I think I think it is mainly b game, here, With a little
0: post of So is is like is there a fourth generation game? I mean, you know, who who would be playing really different right now that's successful? I
3: think John Eames has done a lot of different styles, but I think like the like the more the years go on, I think we've win more and more new styles like to combat like how people are playing now. So I mean it's always gonna be changing, I think. I don't think everything it's ever possible to like perfect the game.
0: Have you uh, have you had a chance to watch back any of the the WPT that you won in London on the TV?
3: Yeah, I, I, I watched the coverage on Channel 5 uh, the other day. It was, it was really weird watching myself, but I absolutely loved it. It was fun all my family and friends watched it as well. It was t- really good.
0: T- tell me about a hand that, that kind of surprised you, maybe, watching it back.
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, I remember I remember I got told afterwards with 3-4 of Diamond hands where I... Um, four that, and then uh Christopher Fawcett and Five all in with A six. The A six, mean, yeah. Yeah, that was that was a crazy hand, I'm like. Well, I mean, what do you I'm, think made had, him, uh, him really.
0: what, what do you think made him do it?
3: I, I guess he I guess he read the situation perfectly, really. I mean I don't know, I mean it takes a lot of like courage that I, I guess I didn't maybe think he could pull it off and they did, and like hats off to really we played it um brilliantly.
0: But, I mean, it's also as kind of a mark of respect for you that, you know, he thought you could yeah. be, be four-betting with a hand that could fold to a five-bet.
3: Yeah, for sure. It, it, it definitely is a sign of respect because, like, he definitely knew, knew I was capable of, like, doing that without a hand. So, like, it's pretty, pretty realistic though they actually managed to pull it off on, like, a WVT final table. It's, it's thicker. You,
0: uh, you, you mentioned that you were, you were pretty impressed by him. I mean, you know, is he, is, do you really rank him as one of the top players right now?
3: Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's maybe like the one of the, like top five players I've played against since I've been playing like live poker online. I mean, I was really, really, really impressed with how he played and just like his manner at the table and stuff. He was very skilled. Who,
0: who else? Uh, who else would fit into that category? People
3: who stood out. I'd like, say Mike McDonald. He, he played really well in Dovo.
0: Timex. Yeah.
3: And, yeah, Timex. Yeah, he played uh, excellently. And um, I don't know, like some of my friends like play as well. Like got Matt Pones and Johnny Innes especially. That's so, so
0: really good. Um. So, uh, what was I going to say? I, I I saw your father was there at that at that uh, WPT in London. Uh, how have they yeah. reacted to your win?
3: <laughs> um, Surprised, really, because I mean, I actually don't live with my dad, so it's, like he doesn't really know too much about poker. So it was kind of it was kind of fun for him to come along and like it, like have a bit of an insight on what it's like. And he was like, he follows, like a different world. Really. It's not really what he's used to. Like all these like. Kind
0: of is is he now pretty supportive about you know like you dropping out of college and all that? Does he think this thing has got some legs?
3: Um, yeah, I mean, initially him and my mum weren't uh, very impressed, but uh, like, even, like not not recently, but over, over like the past few years, they've definitely come around to. It.
0: When when you when you quit college because you were in school, you were playing poker and stuff like that. What what was the like yeah. the one thing that happened that made you say, okay, now I am quitting. I am playing poker.
3: It was a bit of more of a like slow process really. I didn't really have one day where I was like, okay, I'm gonna quit. I'm not. I'm not I, I it kind of like, I was playing less and less. i I was playing more and more poker and like going to college a little less, and then I don't know. I kind of just ended up dropping out. <laughs> I can't, I can't really remember like a key point, but I remember well, just, wasn't you know, there I was like a big test or
0: something it. where you just weren't prepared and you were just like, screw this.
3: <laughs> I, I think it was something along those lines. <laughs> it was like I don't know. It felt, it felt a bit tedious, like going to these lessons and stuff when I was like trying to like like go to college or school for like years to just try and get a job where I could get sort of like, that I was like making like the night before. So it felt sort of kind of a bit weird.
0: When when you talk with guys like John Ames and you, you know Toby and all these guys who are, who are doing well, is is your guys' yeah. attitude like let's play poker while it's good, or are you thinking more long term? Like um, you know th- this could last a real long while. What do you think is going to happen?
3: Uh, we've actually we have actually talked about this about how long like you to actually be able to make money from poker, and I'm not. I think definitely for like foreseeable future, like for five years maybe. I think there's no there's no doubt that. Um, It'll still be like like value in the tournaments, but I mean, there's like more and more young players coming through, and the games are getting tougher. Even if even the fields still value. I mean, I'm sure like five years ago, from now, uh, there was a lot, there was a lot weaker in the field, and I'm sure like it's just bound to get tough and I mean, I guess one day I it's gonna be pretty hard to make money. So,
0: where where's the most value right now? Is it is it big live tournaments? Is it online? Well, where's the most value?
3: I definitely wouldn't, definitely not online. Um, I think online is getting a lot more and more. I think probably live cash games and live tournaments is as where, where like the most valuable. Are
0: there are there cash games like you know the EPT side events, WPT side events? Uh, is there cash games happening around Vienna right now?
3: Yeah, there is. I'm pretty sure there's some really good games going on. I moment. I've actually not had a chance to play it because I was the side events, but I actually was thinking of um, putting a few hours in today and maybe tomorrow.
0: So, so definitely, the guys that are going to be making money right now, they're going to have to be on that tournament trail. You don't, you don't see these, live grind, these uh, online grinders you know, doing as well as they used to?
3: Um, no, I mean, obviously you can make a good living from playing online, but um, just to make, to make like, quite a lot of money, like, I think live poker is, is the way to go there.
0: Is there, uh, is there anything you're, you're sort of working on right now as far as your game goes?
3: Um, just, I've actually just been trying to, like, I don't really like to get left behind, I'm very, like, self-critical in, like, the way I look at things, so, like, if I think, if I've done something slightly longer, i beat myself about it and, like, think about the situations and stuff. So, just, like, going and go the hands with people and stuff, So I like just thinking about more life-focused things, kind of, like, just to try and improve. All
0: right, well, listen, maybe uh, we'll be going down to Amityville next week, so, uh, hopefully we'll see you there.
3: Oh, cool, yeah, I'll see you
0: there. All right, nice one, Jake. Good luck. Thanks for talking to us. Thank you. Bye. All right. Have a good one. Bye.
3: I'm the best now, and I smash it now. I'm it ready. i crush European side. I'll crush American side. If you don't wind me up anymore, I'm sending everyone broke, and that's the
0: problem. Right hey, guys. This is Sinisa. I'm with the Royal Flush Girls. You're listening to The Poker Show with Jesse May and Party Poker. That's all we got time for. I'm leaving in a few hours uh, to the airport to head down to. You got to go to Luxembourg to get to this place, Amneville in France. And I found out it was a holiday tomorrow. All the car rental places are going to be closed. I've only got a hotel. Listen to this. I'm there are four nights. I've got a hotel for my first night, my third night, and my fourth night. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to find a car somewhere because God knows what I'm going to do the second night. But I will be at that casino, this big WPT in Amneville. Should be a lot of people there, and you know this is this is you heard what Jake Cody said. It is about the live tournaments. That's where the value is these days. That's where everyone's making money. This is where you got to go. If you're a poker player, get on the road, man. Get qualifying for tournaments uh, on Party or you know any of the other sites, and 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 get out there because if if you want to make a living, you better not sit home and try and grind it on the internet these days. That's too tough. Anyway, uh. I'll see you from Amneville in a few days. Anyway, have a great one.